Hello and welcome to the True Blue LA podcast. I'm Jacob Birch. Eric Steven is over there, and we're still negotiating how many more episodes we're going to do this year. <laughs> That's true. Uh, we're working out everything. We Look, we came to an agreement in March on how many uh, episodes we were going to do But this then COVID year, happened, and, Eric. Yeah, so like everything's been turned on its ear. Uh, we do have some baseball news. Uh, it took 88 days for the owners and players to agree what they already agreed on. So, yay! Yay! Jerks. The owners, specifically. So, yeah, we're going we're to talk a little bit about that. A draft happened. It happened um, more than a week ago, but we had a, a lot more to catch up on uh, that, that we did last week. So, we're going to talk about the draft today. I'm excited because I loosely followed along but i didn't have john hart around to tell me who was a baseball player and who had hitters hands so i need to know of of the of the players drafted who are <laughs> major league baseball players hitters hands i love it so you're going to be able to tell me that i hope you're going to be able to tell our listeners that we have as always questions from craig i think we have a dodgers rewind mm-hmm. and so we'll do all that after this we should start Start with the shortened season negotiations because that is the hot news. That said, I fully expect it. It looks like it's where you put it uh, earlier. They're about to land this thing. I fully expect it to completely change by the time we release this episode because that keeps happening to us whenever we release this. Um, But what's funny is it keeps changing, but it keeps staying the same. Yeah, and so like, well, and it's funny like you talked about last week. We had a lot to catch up on. It was four, three weeks away, plus like you know just a lot of stuff going on that's why we'll talk about the draft next week so this week was going to be the draft episode and then like oh there's actual news like within the last like two hours since before we recorded on this on a monday um so just to catch up from last week um mlb offered 60 games at full prorated pay to the players uh after a sit-down meeting in arizona between rob manfred and tony clark um Part of that offer was uh, included that the players would not, both parties agreed not to file a grievance um, because players had been saying like owners were like dragging their feet and not bargaining in good faith. Their whole plan all along was to drag it out to where they were run out of time to only um, have enough time for the length of season that they've been basically proposing the entire time somewhere in the neighborhood of like a third of the season, maybe give or take a few games. Cause that was like what you, when you took all their, their three proposals previous, uh, they all sort of added up with, with the extra cuts. They were like the equivalent of like 55, 50, that, that sort of amount of games. So like, that's where the players were like, you know what, we're fed up with this. Um, we're not going to do this, just implement our schedule. So that got MLB to actually talk and, submit their first real offer mlb said okay that's that's great but since the you know the grievance thing is in here we're gonna counter at 70 games and then the owners put up a hissy fit everything's been negotiated in public which is like the most frustrating part of all this i think and because i think the way certain reporters like just sort of parrot or they're just like put out anything someone tells them and like it's it's like they're they're playing right into one side's hands in in this uh, without naming any names um but like that it's very frustrating some players have even like tweeted like how are they getting this shit before we are basically (laughs) you know on some of this so um anyway um so they're like wait we thought manfred even said an interview like 
if I went out with all the stuff we were trading about uh, in, in Arizona, like if that wasn't to make a deal, what was it? It's like, well, that's negotiations. Like, you know, so I, he's just saying that in public, whatever. Um, but he, to Manfred's credit, that was one of the few statements that he put his name on. Everything else is like unnamed owner uh, or <laughs> per person familiar with ownership thinking says, you know, it's like, sure, you know, put your name on it. Um, anyway, um, <clears throat> so they're at a stalemate. You, we figured like one side offered sixty, the other seventy. Given the extra stuff in there, like extra extra playoffs for two years, that's extra revenue. Um, there were, uh, I think, DH for both years. This year, it's not so much a benefit for the players; it's more of a health thing. But to have an off season to plan for it, it, it can be a benefit because uh, NL teams have to plan for having an extra hitter. Um, so. That was part of it. Um, also, there was some uh, the salaries they advanced back in April and May. Uh, they agreed to forgive like part of that, so that was like th these were like ancillary things in there. You figured they would be able to meet in the middle, but owners are like, no, we're not. We're not coming off sixty games. So the players basically over the weekend um, uh, talked about it. They had a vote on Monday, and I believe so. The executive committee is like eight. Uh, players, um, I don't remember exactly who's on. I know Max Scherzer is one of the players on there. Then there's also the 30 team reps. So they had 38 people. The they're, they're sort of uh, I forgot exactly what they call it, um, but they they voted on this proposal and it was voted 33 to five to reject it. So what that essentially means is okay, look, we we all the extra stuff we're gonna get. Um, in this is not worth giving up our right to file a grievance because of the way the negotiations were. And it makes somewhat of, somewhat sense in some capacity. So MLB came back uh, actually pretty immediately today and issued a statement saying, we're going to implement a schedule. Um, we'll implement, we need to find know this by uh, 2 o'clock p.m. Pacific on Tuesday from the players. Um, one, uh, one of the things is, will the players be ready to report to camp within seven days. So spring training is going to begin if everything goes to plan by July 1st. And the second thing is, uh, do, does the Players Association agree with the operating manual, which is that behemoth um, health and safety protocols I think they've been sort of working on behind the scenes. Um, um, and so if, if those things agreed to, uh, MLB will implement a schedule. They, MLB in its statement did not say how long. Uh, multiple people have reported Bob Nightingale, I think, uh, Ken Rosenthal, I believe Joel Sherman, too, they have said it's going to be 60 games, which is the same as the final offer. So you can see where the players are coming from. It's like you, we sort of figure where this is where we're going to be. We're not going to give up our right to agreements to get what we're going to get anyway, kind of, you know. So that that's sort of where we're at. Um, but so you'd think, like, okay, that's the closest we've been to a season. But then, like, all it, you know uh, – health and safety protocols is part of it but then oh yeah like we still have this coronavirus pandemic like everyone talks about like the second wave but like we're it's still like just like one big wave right now basically second and wave um, decline, the second spike yeah but that's we, true, yeah. we never went down <laughs> yeah like... and so like and it sort of came to a head in the last like week or so uh the phillies the blue jays the astros and the giants and and, and maybe a couple other teams, um, all of those teams had at least a player and or staff test 
excuse me, test positive. Um, I think across Major League Baseball, it, uh, if I believe if I believe I saw this right, it was at least 12 total players and at least 40 total employees of MLB teams tested positive recently. Uh, so MLB um, shut down all 30 like spring training sites. The, the sites have been like open for players to sort of work out in a, like a distanced fashion or whatever. But like what was sort of jarring about this is. There weren't, like, uniform protocols. Like, some, I think the Angels were actually pretty good. I, I think one of their, I think Michael Hermosillo, their, one of their players reported, like, they they tested as they went in. But not every team was doing that. So it's like, why why weren't you doing that? Like, that's going to be a, that, that's going to be a part of these, like, health and safety protocols that they have to nail down. And it looks like the, the, um, the teams are going to end up doing the spring trainings at their various home sites anyway. Um... So yeah, now it's like up to the coronavirus to, to figure out if it will allow a, a, an agreed-to baseball season to happen. So that's kind of where we're at right now, which is to say we don't really know if there's going to be a season. But I guess if there is, um, it, it would like be, I think Bill Shaken uh, said, and I think Kevin Rosenthal said this as well. Like the state, the season would start around July 24th. So. That's 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 a t- that's as much of a timeline as we know right now. How much are you going to? Let's say the coronavirus completely cooperates. It, mm-hmm. it won't, I don't think. But let's pretend for a second. How much are you going to enjoy this season? Um, I will enjoy it because, like, I don't. Like yeah, just, I, I certainly think I'm going to enjoy it. It's just uh, like the, the alternative of not baseball is bad. Yeah, like, and it's been and it's been bad. Like. So I will enjoy it as a as a respite, um, but also like I'm concerned. Um, I still like plan to like cover games, um, and uh, <laughs> we don't know exactly how that's going to be. Like like just say just as a as a standard thing. Like so, you're in the press box like at Dodger Stadium. Everyone's sort of like packed together. So they, they have to spread out there. There's not going to be fans in the stands, so you have a little more room to, like, I would imagine, I asked on this, we, they don't really know yet, but, like, I would imagine some of the, like, luxury boxes, because it's the same level, will open up and become, like, other press boxes, you know? And it's just, it's going to be weird, because there's not going to be clubhouse access, I'm sure, but there's going to be have to be players made available, and it's going to be in weird settings, and it's it's going to be just everything about it is going to be odd. But I mean that that's a workaround. You could figure that out. But I'm sort of fascinated to see. I, I am I I want to be in the stadium for a game with no fans just to experience it because it's going to be weird as hell. Like uh, <laughs> it's one thing to watch it on TV, but I think to experience it, it's going to be like, oh man, yeah, this is like the this is like the best little league game I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> little league had more fans. There's Wait, rowdy ones can, there. Can you? I was just trying to think like. If they have like a like a snow cone truck or something mm. like outside of the stadium after the game's over, that'd be amazing. <laughs> All right, draft. Want to talk about the draft? Sure. So um, what happened? So you know, this year the draft, like MLB draft, is 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 like the most boring of the drafts, like because mostly because the players are almost never have any sort of immediate impact like and and also the players are less known like hockey fans know who the hockey uh, prospects are 
you know, uh, there's there's other leagues that they're playing in that are like relatively popular among like hockey fans and things. But like, you know, some people watch college baseball. Nobody on a national level watches high school baseball and knows. Like there, there's not like a LeBron James in baseball, you know, right? Like where people know, There's and like, Bryce Harper, I think like the yeah, only player in the last yeah, twenty it, years. It, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, so it takes a lot. Like, and so like, it's always weird. But this year, like, it was the most, like, and also a normal year. Like, only the first two, two rounds usually in that first night are like the the big TV night. Three through ten is day two usually. And that's like, it's faster, and it's usually like an online, like Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo with with like a talking head, only online. And then the third day is a straight up conference call audio. Like that's, and it's like thirty rounds. So it's it's always like the most boring. This year it was more engaged because they like announced every pick. Rob Manfred did the first day. And then the last four rounds, the second day was Matt Vescursion. So, like, they had actually had someone announcing a pick at a podium. Um, so, well, first of all, it was a joke that the play, that it was only five rounds because that this was, like, another one of these classic, like, MLB moves to save money in the short term. We've talked about this before. They saved about a million dollars per team um, on average. But it was a long-term play because they're going to gut the minors after this year and – cut probably like 40 teams and then so bringing in fewer players this year sets the stage for not having to field as many teams next year they're also going to shorten the draft next year but they have to go at least 20 rounds so it's going to be you know a little bit more representative and then uh there was the caveat of like undrafted free agents could only sign for uh 20 grand uh whereas usually those players get like around 100 grand or more uh, so like you're, you're really lessening the talent pool there, but, uh, just going through it. So the Dodgers had six picks because they also got a competitive balance round B pick between the second and third round. It was part of the, um, um, what do you call it? The, uh, oh, the, the trade with Minnesota to get, uh, Ruzdar Greaterall and that sent Kenta Maeda to the twins. So in their six picks, they drafted four pitchers, uh, their first three picks were pitchers, uh, all from college. Um, one college catcher and one high school outfielder. So, uh, Billy Gasparino, after the draft, he said, we're fired up. We just got a lot of velocity, a lot of pure stuff. It's big. It's right-handed. It was the strength of the draft, and we just took advantage of it. That's what he said. Um, so, if you look at all, all four pitchers, they're kind of like they had the same sort of trajectory, like all of them had some sort of a leap this year. And then also the, the weird part about this year is that the season like just got started. It was four weeks old. So like all the, the and the way that college works is like you, you might play a Tuesday or Wednesday game, but it's usually Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And that's when your main pitchers go. So like you, you're pitching once a week. So like all these pitchers had four starts, like everyone had four starts and then their season was done. And they all had awesome, like uh, they spiked in some way this year. So the Dodgers are sort of betting on that. Uh, Bobby Miller out of Louisville was their first-round pick. His big thing was his fastball is like in the high 90s now, and he has better control and a better slider. Um, so they drafted him in the first round. They already signed him. Um, Landon Knack is a, was a fifth-year um, senior out of East Tennessee State. He had uh, 51 strikeouts and one walk in four starts this year. And so part of his thing, I actually got to interview him um, – 
the day after he was drafted. And one of the things he said I thought was funny was, uh, so last year he expected to get drafted, at, like you know, when it was a normal 40-round draft. Didn't get called at all. So he said he used that motivation uh, of not getting drafted last year. He, he kind of got pissed off and just trying to throw as hard as I could. <laughs> that was his, like... That was one of his explanations for why his fastball jumped. He also did a lot of other stuff, but I just thought that was funny. Uh, Clayton Beater, who in a couple... He wasn't actually mentioned in a mock draft to the Dodgers in the first round, but uh, he was mentioned as like a possibility for them there. So like they got him at this with the 66th pick um, instead of 29th. Um, he is rated the highest of the Dodgers uh, draftees among the like prospect rankings by... Fangrass, they had him 19th overall, and ESPN had him 22nd. Um, of the of the four pitchers they drafted, uh, Gasparino said they're all going to be used as a starter first, but Beater has the like the best chance to like best ceiling as like a reliever if that's a fallback for him. The fifth rounder, Gavin Stone, out of Central Arkansas, home of Scotty Pippen, um, he had a 130 ERA in four starts this year, and he pitched a no hitter in his last start. Same deal. Uh, spike in velocity, spike in stuff this year. Um, so Miller and Stone, the fifth-round pick, signed. Uh, and then they also signed their fourth-round catcher, uh, Carson Taylor out of Virginia Tech. All, all three of those signed, like, a deal below slot value. You have to figure um, they'll have to go a little bit above, like, the recommended slot value to get um, – Jake Vogel, who is their third rounder, he's the outfielder from Huntington Beach. He has a college commitment to UCLA. His big thing is speed. Um, depending on the the like pre-draft uh, scouting reports, they either had him as a seventy speed on the twenty to eighty scale, which is most of them, and I, I forget one uh, one of the spots put him at an eighty speed, which is crazy. Gasparino said, at worst, he's he'd be the second or third fastest player in the organization right now. Um, he said he's good enough to play defensively center field in the majors and that the, um, the player development staff is like looking forward to like getting to work with him because he's such a good athlete. Like they're going to probably work on his swing a lot, but like just generally good athlete. That's what they're banking on. Um, so they've signed three of the picks. They have three more to sign. They have until August 1st to sign it. I thought this was interesting. Um. This was, like, a couple weeks before the draft when we talked to Billy Gasparino, the Dodgers, like, scouting director, who's ran the draft. This is his sixth draft with them. Um, we asked him about the um, the undrafted free agent, like, bonus cap and how that would make the draft play out. Because normal years, you can use your bonus pool on, like, everybody. So, like, if you go higher on, like, an 11th round pick that's out of high school and you want to try to convince him to not go to college, if you go over that hundred and twenty-five grand, you can, like, you just apply that to the bonus pool, and you just have to spend less on others. This year, they're outside of the draft. No, you can't use any bonus pool money, so it limits it. So this is what he said. This was May twenty second. Said you're going to have a lot of college players jockeying to get taken in that fourth and fifth round. The alternative of not getting taken and getting twenty grand is much less. So I think there's going to be quite a big pileup of players trying to get taken in those two rounds. In other words. Players like settling for below slot deals um, to, you know, in those fourth and fifth rounds it, to give the teams more money to spend on the first three rounds. And so far, that is what the Dodgers did, especially Gavin Stone. He signed for, uh, I think, 100000 and his slot value is some, somewhere in the 300000 range. Uh, I think 340 I forgot exactly. Um, 
uh, Carson Taylor, the catcher, was a little bit below slot, but sort of the same principle. And it, they're going to have to use a, a lot of that overage on the high school outfielder, Vogel, and also I would imagine Clayton Beater. Um, probably to sign him, we'll see. Um, Landon Knack said the Dodgers told him they were going to take him the night before. Um, I, he said they haven't worked, they haven't signed a deal yet, and um, nothing's been announced there. But I would, I would, I would guess they worked out some sort of plan that they were going to sign him ahead of time before drafting him, which happens. Not supposed to happen, but it happens. So I, I don't, I don't. Uh, who knows if they're all going to sign? They probably will, but like it seems like they're all going to sign at this point, at least uh, the ones we've known about. So so far, um, the undrafted free agent uh, Bonanza. We talked a little bit about that last week, where the Royals, who have like been like openly um, treating their employees and minor leaguers well, they signed like five pretty well-rated um, uh, undrafted free agents. The Dodgers so far have only signed one to date, and it was a, a pitcher from Stetson. He was not in the top 500 uh, uh, Baseball America prospects, but. That's the only one to date, but I think these will sort of trickle in. Um, uh, who knows? But it's not—it's uncertain exactly how many they're going to sign, but I, I don't know if you can expect much of an impact there. But uh, since the draft was only five rounds this year, my trivia question for you, uh-huh. who is the last Dodgers fifth-round pick to play for the Dodgers? No, do I get a hint before or after the commercial? Um. I will give you I will give you a hint and a fun fact before the commercial. Uh, the hint is the last fifth round Dodgers fifth round pick to play in the majors uh, was Devin Smeltzer, but he didn't play for the um, the Dodgers. He was traded, um, and this player was drafted before that. And the the fun fact is that the Dodgers also have other fifth round picks in their on their team. Very um, important contributors, I would say, um, but they weren't drafted by the Dodgers. Mookie mm-hmm. Betts was a fifth round pick. Uh, Max Muncy was a fifth round pick, and Chris Taylor was a fifth round pick. I will go to a break, but I have uh, some interesting thoughts there. Uh, we'll yeah. do that after this. So my approach to this was: mm-hmm. I don't know a lot of draft positions of players, but I remember. Most of the first and second round picks over the last few years, so I was able to rule out people, and then I had to reread your question because I, ah, I actually couldn't remember if it, you were saying Dodgers fifth round pick, and I thought both with Muncie and Chris Taylor the, that the, they were about fifth round picks, weren't they? Uh, I was right. It doesn't matter. It doesn't help. Um, I I have a few guesses, but I'm going to take one more hint, and I'll let you know if it demolishes my my guesses. The hint is this player is a pitcher. Oh well, that does demolish a few of my my picks. Um, let's see. So Walker Buehler was a first round pick, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Clayton Kershaw was a first round pick. Yes. Uh, uh is it a reliever? Sometimes. <laughs> um. Is it, is it Kenley? No, he he's an international. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course, of course. Um, um, nope, I got nothing. Tapping out. Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Uh, I'll give you another hint. It's a former All Star. Um, is it Ross Stripling? It is. There we go. Okay. 
2012. Yeah, I wanted to stop before I just started naming yeah. current pitchers because I, I realized I was going to be doing that. Um, so there, there you go. Two, 2012 fifth round pick out of Texas A&M. There you go. Yeah. And so he he was the 176 uh, 176 pick overall. Uh, this year's draft only had 160 players. So sorry, Ross. <laughs> Better luck next time, buddy. Uh, yeah, good good stuff. Wow, that already puts us into Dodgers rewind, huh? Uh, it That's... does indeed. And there's another trivia question in here that I'm I'm looking forward to. The, yeah, this was this is a more bizarre one, I will say. Um, okay, so Landon Knack, uh, he was he's the Dodgers second round pick, number sixty overall. He is the third highest drafted player from East Tennessee State, sort of. Uh, I'll say that the two above him are the only two East Tennessee State drafted players to make the majors. One is Atlee Hamaker, and the other is Ed Goodson. Um, Ed Goodson was in the, he's the third overall pick in the June secondary draft in 1968. This is back when they had another draft, so it's a little weird. Um, But 10 picks after that in that secondary draft, the Dodgers got Steve Garvey. there's been five other players from East Tennessee State um, to make the majors. They were um, none of those were by draft. Some were older before the draft existed, and another was like just an undrafted player. Um, but our our uh, rewind is Ed Goodson. Um, so he played eight seasons in the majors. He was below average hitter, 84 OPS plus. His only season playing 100 plus games was 1973 uh, with the Giants. He hit 12 home runs. Uh, he was on the Braves after that. And then in November 1975, traded uh, by the Braves to the Dodgers uh, for Jimmy Wynn, Lee Lacey, Tom Prashorek, and Jerry Royster. But the other player going to the Dodgers in that deal was Dusty Baker. So uh, Ed Goodson was a part of that deal. He was a corner infielder, uh, but he also started one game in left, and he played two innings at second with L.A. Uh, he only started 19 times in two seasons with the Dodgers in 76 and 77. Uh, but there's actually three straight years of baseball cards um, because in the 76 set they had a, a like a sort of a, a prelude to tops the tops traded set. So it was like a, a picture of Ed Goodson clearly wearing a Braves uniform and they airbrushed it to look like he was wearing a Dodgers uniform and that'll be included in our show notes. It looks <laughs> awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, I thought this was interesting. He was mostly... Because he started so uh, infrequently, he was used 107 times as a pinch hitter in two seasons. One year was good, uh, one year was bad, but he led the Dodgers in pinch hit plate appearances in 1976. He was third in um, pinch hit plate appearances in 1977 uh, behind Manny Moda and Boog Powell. But it, like in his two years in LA, he had 12 more plate appearances as a pinch hitter than Manny freaking Moda. Like, <laughs> that's <laughs> odd. So, like, anyway. But um, uh, Ed Goodson, 1977 postseason, uh, he batted twice. He grounded out in the in Game 3 of the NLCS versus Gene Garber. Uh, and he struck out against Mike Torres in Game 6 of the World Series, um, both were as pinch hitter. Uh, his baseball career ended in 1978 in AAA Portland in the Indian system. I, he was, according to the Sabre bio, he was hit. Uh, by a pitch above his right ear and suffered a fractured skull. God, like that's terrible. That's like the worst. Um, He ended up coaching uh, 12 years at Grayson County High School in Virginia. He was honored by the 
Virginia state legislature in 2003 for like his uh, service to the, the state uh, for his work. He also worked in a jobs program for that high school's graduates after uh, coaching. So like he is very involved there. So that's cool. So that's that's Ed Goodson. Uh, there are three different baseball cards. They will all be um, no, uh, pictured in the show notes. But that brings us to another trivia question. Ed Goodson struck out in his only World Series at bat. There are 20 other players who totaled exactly one World Series at bat with the Dodgers. How many can Jacob name? Kirk Gibson. Are you, you're, you're not, okay, you're, you're not going to break? Well, I guess we don't go to break. We don't go to break. That would be a really short. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I, I just want to. I, I, I'm like I'm like the uh, I, I'm like the Major League Baseball winners. I'm just trying to cram in extra yeah, revenue fair. here when we when we have it. So I was okay. really proud of figuring out one definitively and not Kurt just a Gibson bunch of guesses. Is, is for sure one of them. Yes, <laughs> he was he was one for one in his uh, oh. <laughs> Dodger World Series of that. You might have heard of it. Oh. Pretty good OPS too. Mm-hmm. Not, not the could have had more RBIs per at bat. Mm, not yeah. perfect. He, he. Well, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> there, I'll give. There are two others who who were one for one. Um, and this is where I like. I have to like remember World you're, Series. You're, you're not. You're not going to get these actually. Oh, okay. Not, not, none from the from the the two most recent World Series. No, God. Int- well, uh, specifically, I was wondering if the 18-inning game produced a weird mm. pitcher-hitting situation. Um, so, and I couldn't quite remember it because I was losing my mind at that point, 3 in the morning. So, um, uh, Bobby Bragan, um, who he was one-for-one one with a double in his lone World Series game with the Dodgers, and later he was like one of the players opposed to Jackie Robinson uh, the first but he actually sort of like grew into that, uh, grew out of that, I would say, and he later became a manager, and he was like instrumental in turning around uh, Maury Will's career in the minors. So good on Bobby Bragan for learning. <laughs> um, Kirby Higby was another one who was one for one uh, with Brooklyn. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm looking at these names. Dave Anderson uh, was a famous decoy in the on deck circle. Uh, before Kirk Gibson, he was uh, Anderson was 0 for 1 with a strikeout. Um, Al Downing, a pitcher, 0 for 1. Um, Jerry Grody, a uh, catcher, was 0 for 1. Yeah, none of these are like famous, famous well, ish. A uh, s- uh, central figure of the show Mad Men, uh, Don Draper, aka Dick Whitman, uh, <laughs> is true. on this list. So good for <laughs> good for him. Also, the other Mike Marshall, the pitcher, <laughs> and although he doesn't have an event, I included him because uh, he had he had one plate appearance, but he walked. So good for him. He a pitcher who walked in his only plate appearance, and then a, a guy who I didn't. We should look up his actual WAR, but Rip Rapolsky, which is one of the <laughs> <laughs> one of the great names. He only had five point three WAR in his career. How much? How could he? How much could he possibly? Yeah, he. Oh, he was negative point three WAR with the Dodgers. <laughs> we should have picked Rip Rapolsky for our team. Damn it. Um, the oh, timeline for Dick Whitman, by the way, pretty close. Character was born in uh, twenty six. Uh, baseball Dick minute. Whitman, born in nineteen twenty. Maybe, maybe. I, I I like it. I think uh, I think you got your something here. So, wait, are you saying we should pick a Mad Men Dodgers team? <laughs> I think we probably <laughs> run out pretty quick. I'm sure yeah. there was a Draper somewhere <laughs> in there, and then we're whoever we're gets. Done. 
Whoever gets the first pick has Dick Whitman and then oh. uh, Price. <laughs> you win. We have David Price and a Price, so we're you know we're we're working on it. All right, nice. All right, it's time for the other returning feature of the show. With Dins and Greg, we love them. What's interesting is you when you and I decided instead of going every other week, trying to do every week. Obviously, we had that that big gap. The idea was there wouldn't be a lot to talk about, so we would just do shorter episodes. Primarily, that would be uh, the rewinds and questions from Craig and a little bit of news recap. Our last like five or so episodes went fairly long. Like we got a lot of a lot of juice at them, but this will be a nice return to sort of a, a, a shorter episode, unless we spend half an hour on one of these questions, which we I certainly would, could. I wouldn't put it past us. All right. Let's pretend for right now the Dodgers are playing a real game in the next month uh, for the contest tracker. So you have that around. I want you to pull it up. Mm-hmm. Who has the first multi-hit game, and will that player have more than one extra base hit? So he was close in, in the one-month thing is that let's let's say like the earliest um, opening day would be July 24th. So close enough. Um, July 24th. Um, uh, so I was thinking about this. You, do you want to go? You want to guess first? Or Justin Turner first? will go three for four with a double. So first multi-hit game for Jacob um, is Justin Turner. Uh, okay. Wait, just I'm going to put this. You said three for four with a home run. Mm-hmm. No double with a double. Oh, okay. So if he hits a home run in your face, uh, <laughs> no. Um, okay. I was going to say, I was tempted to say Mookie Betts just because, but I'm going to go Corey Seager. This may sound like a question. Is two for four a multi-hit game? I mean, it is. I realize that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. How, o- how often does it take more than one game for that to happen? Stat track. I mean, go. Right uh, now. We don't, well, here's <laughs> the weird part. Like, we even if we know, like they have to like make the schedule it's going to be yes. a, so it's like we don't we don't even know who they're playing you know like so that that's the weird part jacob that's me according to yeah. the this scientific american article um i think the link got removed while playing classical music or he's just reading it and letting me know and i don't know <laughs> what it is while playing classical music to babies ha, um has not proven yet to be much of a benefit playing a musical instrument does seem to help with development is that something you and your wife are interested in doing? And for both of you, I don't know. I think that just means Melissa and I. So you're out of this question, Eric. I'm out. But I Melissa's not around, so you can fill in for her. Okay. Yeah. Uh, is that something you were interested in doing? And did you take up an instrument while growing up? Uh, Craig took guitar lessons but dropped it quickly. I had piano lessons and should have dropped it quickly uh, oh. but didn't. I did it for, I, for five years, six years. Wow. Um, probably it was probably four or five. Uh, I'm going to get a text from my mother letting me know exactly how long she paid for that. Um, I was not very good. I don't have uh, a good sense. I don't have a, a a big music appreciator, but I don't have a good sense of of tone and and things yeah. like that. Like so, you don't have a ear, right? Yeah, like, my brother took up the piano. I think he started two years after I did, and he was better than me within nine months. I think so. And we did lessons together for another two or three years after that. Uh, and then I finally just realized how bad I was and just wasn't enjoying it. So be- on the flip side, my uh, I'll, I'll answer for Melissa, and I'll still let you answer, Greg. Uh-huh. Um, Melissa is a um, 
was a per- violin performance minor in wow. um, in college and still plays like not professionally but she'll play like weddings and stuff both violin and viola was first oh chair everything for ever and ever and ever um but on the flip side she doesn't have much of an appreciation for like current pop music uh so we're very opposites when it comes to music so i'm sure it is a thing we will make available to the child and if they are interested we will allow them pursue it i don't know how hard we'll push that so yeah. we'll see that's kind of amazing uh i did not have that music later at all never took never was in band never i took one jazz history class in college but that's not anything um so i do own a harmonica i own like a couple harmonicas and a kazoo but i i haven't <laughs> i haven't played them in a long time uh and i don't know exactly how to play it. i have like some like directional like books but some of it is just it's like almost like it's dumbed down to the point mm-hmm. where it's like you almost number the things and you can just here's how to play this, you know, like, and it, it's, I don't, I, 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 like I said, I don't know the, uh, the, the science behind it is the wrong word, but like, I don't know the, the structure of it to like, to break it down. And like, so it's really just like staring at exactly what I have to do and do it. But yeah, I, uh, but yeah, I haven't, I haven't touched the harmonica in probably a decade. Eric. Can you name the most used starting lineup for the 87 and 88 Laker teams? They combined for a to start 117 games in those two seasons. And was either of those teams your uh, favorite Showtime team? So I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm right on this. Uh, I'd be surprised if it's not this. But yeah. So uh, Magic, Byron Scott, James Worthy, AC Green, and Kareem. Correct. You were good. Yeah. And, uh, and Dick Whitman, yeah. well, a sixth man. <laughs> I remember. So they got Michael Thompson like um, at the in like February of '87, um, and but like mostly to back up Cream, and he barely started um, until like '89. But like, um, <clears throat> so yeah, that that would be the only like thing. But yeah, so of those two, like, um, I didn't start watching the Lakers full time until like midway through that '86 '87 season. So I wasn't I was invested, but not fully invested like I was in the eighty seven eighty eight team. Um, so I would have to pick the eighty seven eighty eight team. I think the eighty seven team is their best of that era. Um, but like my favorite is 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 the eighty eight team. I would say almost certainly. The review of the nineteen twenty Dodgers prompted me to take a look at the nineteen twenty AL race. And that race is fascinating because it impacted. It was impacted by three major uh, baseball events: Ray Chapman's death by a hit by pitch, the Black Sox story broken towards um, the end of the season, and Babe Ruth's sale to the Yankees. Eric and Jacob, do you think Babe Ruth is still a name that even casual baseball fans know? And if so, why more than uh, other early pioneers in the NFL and NBA? And Ooh. certainly, they. I. Uh, I think. I am more fans. <laughs> I'm. Uh, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, this is interesting. Do you, how many casual baseball fans are you like friends with? Because you're uh, you're so involved at a, a at a professional yeah. level, and I know you come from more with, from a family. Um, and I just assume friends with with sports more deeply integrated. Whereas I'm in a lot of my communities, um, sort of the, the the weird one in that regard. 
what so one of my sisters um i don't think either one watch a ton of baseball but like one of them specifically like they just don't generally watch a lot of sports mm-hmm. and so it was always kind of a nice respite we'd go to their house for like thanksgiving and christmas sometimes and it was it was always it's always kind of a nice unplugging a little bit when you when you're not like connected to everything like it's it's kind of neat but like i sort of rely on them um or like i'll get a text occasionally like they'll pay attention they know i they know who like clayton kershaw is or something but they they'll they'll ask like um a very basic question or even like uh, my nephew um who's in his 30s um same thing like it's like texts i get from them like um and it uh, you know that's that's very like i'm not really paying attention but i'm sort of paying attention and it's on in the background or something so like that's they know who babe ruth is for sure yeah so like that yeah i would say I wonder, too, like, why... I assume it's I think, just the sort of prevalence of baseball in that yeah, sort of early part of the century. Yeah, baseball was it, right? Yeah. Because, like, the NFL, like, technically started in, like, 1920, but it probably wasn't, like, famous until, like, what, the... 40s, Game of the century, maybe? right? The... Yeah, or, or, yeah. Or, like, the yeah late 50s. So, that, that's when it, like, started to, like, take over. Or not take over, but, like, really climb. But, like, and then the NBA, the same thing, like, probably the Celtics dynasty, like, in the 60s. So, baseball had that, like, 30, 40-year run of, like, the number one, like, thing that sport that or boxing, right? Like, or, or <laughs> that sports people uh, wrote about. Pedestrianism. Yeah. So, like, um, yeah, I think that's probably, like, why uh, Babe Ruth is more, like, and also, like, if you just look, there's, like, a ton of, like, movies about him, too. Like, like the, the, the Hollywood, like, Hollywood made movies about uh, Babe Ruth. And, like, even, like, he was in Pride of the Yankees as himself, the movie about Lou Gehrig. Like, um, so, like, he was, he was, like, a, a transcendent figure, you know? Like, um, more, like, sort of like a, he was, he was, like. I hate, hate to say this, but like the Michael Jordan of that day, you know, <laughs> like Muhammad Ali, Michael Jordan, like literally that level. There's only like a few people who get to that level and like he's there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, that's that's probably why I don't know. All right. The food question, the last question, uh-huh. the fifth question, salty snacks, part three time. Peanuts, plain salted, dry roasted, honey roasted or no peanuts for you. Uh, Craig, Craig mentions that cocktail peanuts in blue can. Uh, were were ever present at his grandparents' house. Mm-hmm. Also, I did put roasted peanuts in the shell because that is not a regular home snack, but is that a snack, a must-have at a ball game, or once-in-a-while treat? Uh, I don't like peanuts. I love peanuts. Uh, I'm um, not a fan. Not really nuts. So, I will... Um, the, go- the go-to for me is probably dry-roasted. Mm-hmm. Now, the honey-roasted for me always... Uh, I don't, the flavor's okay. It doesn't, I'm not a big honey guy, but like, it, it doesn't bother me. It's like, it's more that those peanuts themselves, they're like, we talked about this with Cheetos and stuff. It's, it's like, it's not a residue, but it's like, a, it's a little bit sticky, you know? Yeah. So like, that's why I don't like it. So the, the blue cocktail can uh, is also prevalent a lot, but those are also very oily. 
Um, and they're also useful, like um, for those are the best peanuts for uh, when, uh, Chex Mix, which uh, I basically make like every Christmas, and I don't really make it other than that, even though it's great. Um, it's you know Chex pretzels and those cocktail peanuts are are pretty classic. Um, so yeah, I guess no, you know what? Come to think of it, dry roasted are like too dry sometimes. So I'll go with plain salted. That that's probably a little better. Like the dry roasted can be a problem in that your mouth like gets dry. <laughs> so yeah, that that's sort of an issue. So I don't know. Uh, one nice thing over the last decade or so is that almonds and pistachios, which I do like um, mm-hmm. and are actually nuts, are uh, uh, way more ever present at, say, a 7 Eleven or a quick trip. And I oh, do yeah. like those a lot. And if so, if I just want to translate the preparation, I'm a fan of um, raw, light, salted, and then uh, uh, dry roasted, like you. So I think. Uh... I grew up in like this weird battle of, so even for a while, I think the ones my mom would have growing up were the, the, like, um, the peanuts with the skin on, Mm -hmm. which is just a baller move. And it's like, it's too much for me, but like, uh, they, I liked them, but like, uh, oh yeah, I forgot to say too, um, I've bought, um, peanuts in the shell for home before, not a ton of times, but like I've done it. Uh, my brother Kelly does that quite often, actually, at his house. Um, he'll like sit and watch a ball game and have shelled peanuts at his house. So like that is a thing sometimes. Um, but I grew up like uh, hating cashews for some reason, and like I like I in my mind peanuts and cashews were having this war, and I I picked peanuts, man. I was I was like. I did not like cashews, and they're, they're like, perfectly fine. I, I mean, they're fine. And another thing, I used to hate almonds. I like almonds now. Uh, and, and I pistachios. have some breaking news, Eric. Yes. Almonds are not nuts. What? As soon as I said that, I'm like, I'm bad and wrong on one of those two. Pistachios are nuts. But almonds oh. are droops. I, I look, call them, <laughs> what you, yeah, call them what you want to. They're, they're fine. They're, they're great. delicious. And same, same with pistachios. I, maybe it was the naked gun um, teaching me to learn to, learn to love pistachios. pistachios. Um, so, yeah, they're just, you know, they're like $8 billion an ounce usually <laughs> uh, in relative terms. But actually, peanuts are not cheap either. So, like, you have to, like, almost get, like, the Costco size um, uh, vat of it to get to get some sort of any sort of value there but yeah they're they're good to have occasionally but i like it so that that we we talked about like how we could possibly drag out craig's questions i think i took 13 minutes to answer a peanut question so yay well there you go peanuts i like it so terms um so i will have a child roughly one week from when this podcast is announced ish uh, so probably won't be recording for two weeks, question mark. Uh, anything beyond yeah. that will kind of depend on how I'm feeling and if I've gotten any sleep in that two-week mm-hmm. period. But uh, hopefully we have brain training of some sort to talk about when I when I do come back. I would say, yeah. So We can finally I, do our season preview episode. <laughs> oh, my God. So we, you figure we have two two or three weeks before we record again. There will, there probably will be some sort of spring training. Jeff Passan, uh, while we were recording, also said 
around July 24th for opening day and that, that both sides are mo- motivated with the health and safety stuff and that players will probably vote yes on reporting uh, by July 1st. So by the time we record again, spring training will have probably already begun. There's like a, a half good chance that I will have been to Dodger Stadium uh, by the time we record again in some capacity and, and not just to get a COVID test uh, because that's <laughs> one of the testing sites. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, it's uh, exciting times. I'm happy for you and Melissa and uh, happy for uh, us possibly having baseball to talk about. So it could be exciting times here. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you next month.